0: The following programming is sponsored by Tom Tool III. The views expressed do not necessarily reflect the views of this station, its management, or Beasley Media Group. Good afternoon, Greater Philadelphia area. This is Tool Time Real Estate Radio on WWDB 860 AM. I'm Tom Tool. She's Stacy Mitchell. She's Sarah Time, and we've got Gabe behind the camera. And we all work with the Tom Tool Sales Group at Remax Mainline the number one REMAX team in Pennsylvania since 2018. And there's been a lot of like news in in the market about what's going on in the industry, more opinions coming out about the housing market that we're going to discuss here in a second, and we're going to start there. And there was a couple things that had kind of come up that I found pretty interesting that got released on CNBC over the past week. So the first one... Home builders are saying the US is in a housing recession as sentiment turns negative. What do you two think about that?
1: I mean specifically about like new construction?
0: I, I mean housing recession sounds pretty broad to me.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that does. <laughs> <laughs> um I mean I think that again like as we've touched on before like for people that that need to move they're going to make that transaction uh, happen. Um, I think that we have a couple other factors that are going on right now that are actually making it a lot more favorable as a buyer to come back to the market. Um, you know, Obviously, we need sellers there in order to be uh, listing their homes and having opportunities for the buyers. But we are starting to see that tick back up. So I think for new construction, um-
2: it's a little bit, it could be a little bit different. Maybe that's where they're trying to get these, or they're pulling this information from home builders are saying they're Mm -hmm. in a housing recession. Uh, You know, the cost of materials for a while there were super exorbitant because of the um, supply chain, but I I know things have come down. They're probably not down to pre COVID uh, pricing by any stretch, but in turn, those, the, the pricing for the housing for the new construction has gone up. So that should have balanced itself. And I do know in our particular area, the new construction doesn't last. It, You know, <laughs> they go under contract quickly mm-hmm. and they're sold out. You know, mm-hmm. you drive by new starts up in, on 322, sold out. You know, there's a new one coming up in um, outside of Coatesville for 30. And, and they're already starting to to sell like crazy mm-hmm. because it is an affordable price. Mm-hmm. I think they're all below 400. I think some. Yeah. To start. So um, and lower. So I think that with some of the new construction, um, maybe some builders pulled back a little bit because, you know, just the costs of of their materials. Um, But what we're seeing out there, it seems to be still pretty robust in our area.
0: Well, and, uh, you know, what, what concerns me about this is that when they say there's a housing recession, I mean, I, I, I don't agree with that at all. We've talked about this at length on the show here. Um, I do agree new constructions probably impact it more than any other segment of the market because, like you said, they're, I mean, they're actually buying the raw materials. Inflation's been an issue. Supply chain's been a real problem. It's, it's It seems to be getting a little better. I don't know if it's that great. I mean, it still takes forever to get things, and, you know, the, the it's shipping containers are constantly— sitting in the middle of the ocean for, for no reason. So there, there has been a decline in that and, and they actually put a number on this. So they have a national association of home builders uh, or the slash Wells Fargo housing market index. It dropped six points to 49 this month and it's the eighth straight monthly decline. And they, the scale that they use anything above 50 is considered a positive and it hasn't been negative um, since the brief plunge at the start of the COVID pandemic back in, in 2020. So I, I think that that has a little to do with it. I still don't see housing recession though. I' I'm, 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 and Sarah, you mentioned there's more favorable things happening right now. Um, there are friends over at Keeping current Matters. They put together a couple slides that we can probably show on the replay here. Uh, one of them talks about what's happening for buyers currently. So in April, we were seeing an average of 5.5 offers on a home. In May, it dropped to 4.2 offers, and in June, it's 3.4 offers. And that this is a national number. Um, we've also seen that fewer homes are selling above the asking price, 61% in April, 55% in May, and 51% in June. And nationally, the supply of homes is growing, rising from 2.2 months supply in April, 2.6 months in May, 3 months in June. So. That to me is an opportunity, not yeah. only for buyers, also for sellers that need to find a home. Everyone forgets the sellers need to find a place to go, and this this really affects them. So, I, I, you know, I I get the new construction part. I'm just not seeing it in the market. I don't know if you two agree no, or disagree. No, I, I
2: totally agree with that for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I don't I don't like these negative headlines <laughs> that come out because we have to do so much cleanup in aisle one. <laughs> you know, whenever <laughs> there's all this negativity about um, you know, the, the housing market and, uh, yeah, we're, I'm just not, we're just not seeing it in this
1: area. Yeah. I'd agree.
0: I mean, I argue it's irresponsible journalism. I mean, this is CNBC. This isn't some fly by night you know, mm-hmm. n- news network here. And if you look at the home price forecasts for 2022, there's Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, NAR, the national association of realtors, Ivy Zellman core logic, the Home Price Expectation Survey and MBA, the Mortgage Bankers Association. Besides the Mortgage Bankers Association, everyone else is predicting a 93 to 16% year-over-year increase in home prices. The Mortgage Bankers Association is at 2.7%, which would still be fine in a, in a normal market, which is what we're entering into. And the average of all seven is 10.3%. And that's actually up from last month, where the average was 8.5%. So... I just, I just don't see this housing recession. I think home building is a different; it's almost a different industry, mm-hmm. in in a lot of cases, especially where we live. Because, I mean, how much new construction is there? Was really out there?
1: Not a whole lot. Not right. in. Yeah, I, I mean, mean pockets. there's pockets, yeah. right? Well, and with that being the average um, at ten point three, that's still double what was like a normal growth rate. Um, you know, pre COVID, which was usually coming in somewhere around like the. Five percent range.
0: If someone said, "Sarah, give me all your money and I'll give you a ten point three percent return year over year," what would you do?
1: I would take it. (laughs) Take it. Yeah.
0: I mean, that's my point, though. I mean, I I don't think there's there's anything that's like this isn't overcomplicated or overly complicated. A lot of folks are just they're constantly talking about all the negatives happening in housing. This is just a normal market. That that that's all I'm really seeing. So it it sounds like we're all in agreement there. And then the kind of the, the next part of this is Grant Cardone is at it again. Um, so if you don't know who Grant Cardone is, read The 10 X Rule. Great book, by the way. Love, love the book. Um, he had an article that was published on CNBC. It's on their, their Make It section of their website, and this was last Thursday. And he said, don't buy a home unless you can afford to waste money. And he goes on and on about how your costs eat up your profits. No cash flow makes you dependent on the market. There's limited tax benefits to commercial compared to commercial real estate. So, and he just says, my opinion: don't buy a home unless you can afford to waste money. I, I've got, I have a real hard time with this article.
1: Like, what does he call renting? Like, right? <laughs> and, you know? and like, what
2: do you mean, don't buy a house unless you want to waste money? What does that even mean? I don't. <laughs> this whole article just blew my mind. I couldn't believe it.
0: And you know, he actually says he owns his own home, and right. then he owns, and then he he has a investing network where people can buy into the investments he makes to get a predictable return. Mm-hmm. And I guess the only point of this article that I kind of understand is that he's considered to be worth, I just Googled this $2.6 billion. So at 2.6 billion, yeah. Buy commercial real estate. You're going to get a better return.
1: <laughs> right. I did think that that was interesting that that little um, section was in there for, you know, why you're wasting your money. And it's like right. for your average average, person <laughs> like commercial real estate like that's <laughs> it's not even in that's the realm. not even in like what we're talking about here like right. sure if you've got that much money then yeah go commercial but for your your average consumer like that's not you it's know, not even that's not even on the right. on the page and he tells him
2: to rent which is probably well you're just making
0: someone else you're making his oh, right. payment so that's yes. why he wants you to rent right. and I have, I have such a hard time with this because I, I like a lot of the things that, that Grant says from like a business building perspective. The 10X rule, great book. He's written a lot of great stuff. The, the realities are this. The average net worth of an American household is $748,000 and change. He has $2.6 billion. So congratulations. you know, That's great. You know, I'd love to have $2.6 billion as well. But then he talks about the limited tax benefits compared to commercial real estate. So he specifically mentions that you are limited to how much interest you can write off on your home, and you're only allowed a tax exemption of one $250,000 gain on the sale of a single family home every two years. The average time people are in homes right now is 11 plus years. And if you're looking at a $250,000 gain, if the average net worth of a U.S. household is $748,000, then... They're probably not. I mean, I would argue there might be some people now that are on the lower end of that that have seen that kind of gain because of what the market's done over the past two years. But that's it's he's he's not talking to the average consumer that's out there. And then when this stuff gets posted, you get people thinking all these crazy things. And I I actually equate this to like Dave Ramsey, where he's like, pay off all your debt and then save up to buy a home and then we you know it, it, the, the, people have no money to to buy anything and they're paying off credit card debt that's like $10,000 it takes them forever to pay off mm-hmm. not saying that's great it's just the, the, these strategies don't they're not a one size fits all strategy and when this stuff gets posted it, it it just gets in the consumer's head and it hurts their ability to make logical decisions
2: right i agree and i the breakdown of his math here 10 years of interest at 6% each year based on a $100,000 investment he goes and he goes into this math equation where he says your total cost before maintenance it would be out of pocket would be 86,000 on your 100,000 investment so he he's ba- basically saying that over 10 years your investment returned 1.4% but he's failing to talk about you have to live somewhere right. so let's do the math on if you pay rent for 10 years mm-hmm. and what that That's not an investment. So I'm not sure, I just don't understand this whole premise because if you're telling people not to buy a house because you're wasting money, obviously you're not. You're still, based on his math, you're getting a 1.4% return, which, okay, maybe it's not great, but you're living in the house. Right. Okay. So you have your shelter. You're, you're, it's an investment, right. and if you do sell it, maybe that would be your return in this market. It would not. It would right. be tremendous return.
1: Right. So um, I still don't see where that's a big fail. Right. And then his next point goes on saying that no cash flow makes you dependent on the market. Well, and that only – that true real estate investments provide you with monthly passive income. Well, yes, if you've got income-producing <laughs> rental properties, right. but for your own personal um, – home where you live, where you're paying a mortgage payment rather than a rent payment. Um, I don't think that having the passive income makes it a success or not a success. You know, it's um, it's when you go to sell it that you, you turn your profit. Right.
2: So it would be kind of, I don't know, it's kind of a wash. If you have a rental property, but you're renting for your place, for your residence. <clears throat> right. What well, I don't get it. I'm right. not understanding that. Right, right.
0: <laughs> well, and, and for someone like him, he may want to live somewhere for a year or two. Well, then I, I wouldn't buy that house either. If you're only going to be there that short term, because right. he's probably buying something that's, you know, on on the on the highest end of the premium market. So that's a different story. But this is not realistic for what what a lot of folks are doing. So right. I just um, I just pulled another. And this this comes. This is actually on CNBC. So. Uh, this is August 24th of last year Um, they did a survey of the consumer finances and and they had a very different net worth number they said that the median net worth which is different than the average the median and the average are two different things the median is the middle number the average is is the average of everybody so the median net worth is $121,000 for a US household and in 2019 homeowners in the US had a median net worth of $255,000 versus just $6,300 for renters. So that tells you all you need to know. I mean, right. when we're talking about the average person, the average American, that's a 40x difference between the two groups. So, you know, he's Mr. 10x. Well, he just got beat by four a factor of 4 as far as I can tell on this on 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 this this math here. So, you just got to be careful who you listen to. And I, I think the lesson here for consumers is that you can make stats say anything you want. Mm-hmm. You talked about having to do cleanup on, on you know, cleaning up like a, <laughs> what was it? Cleanup on aisle 10 or something right. you said. I love that because people see the, these articles and then right. they're like, oh, well, Grant Cardone said this or, mm-hmm. you know, uh, so, so-and-so said that. And then when you actually break down the math and show them, it's very different. And to me, this is all the more reason to find someone in your local marketplace that can help you navigate these things, because look, our market's a lot different than other markets. You go to New York, like New York City, right? Like imagine, like compare Philadelphia downtown to New York downtown. The, mm-hmm. the cost of housing is just oh, dramatically wow. different. So, yeah, you shouldn't buy in New York because you can't afford it here. Right. Right. You can hold on to it. Value's going to build. You get tax benefits. You're not paying someone else's mortgage. Yep. Or it just it just doesn't it just doesn't make sense. I mean, you're not you're not wasting money there. I would argue you're doing the opposite. Now, the flip side is I don't know that a house like buying a house is like you should be your retirement plan. I think that's where some right. people go wrong, too. So, right. you know, we're not financial advisors. We just this is just what we, we've seen in the marketplace. So I, I to me, it's all about getting some local advice on what's going to be relevant to your market.
2: Right. And And he also goes on to say he doesn't believe that owning a home should be considered as the American dream. And I, I, that I don't understand either. The folks that I deal with daily, it is their American dream. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? It is their dream. It's, He says, for the most part, it's simply a place to live. Well, yeah, you have to live somewhere. But mm-hmm. it's more than that. It's people have their families there. They're, they make memories there. Um, you know, the houses that we go into, you, you open the door. And on the doorframe, you see where the kids have... Marked their mm-hmm. growth year to year. Right. You know, that means something. Right. It's not just a place to live, it's a place where you are living. Right. You know, so it is an American dream. It's a dream for most folks to own their home that they live in. Absolutely.
0: Well, in a lot of the American dream, it's called that because you can't do this in other countries. Like owning right. a home in other countries where a lot of people immigrated from, like it, it's just unheard of. It just doesn't happen. So, yeah. uh, you know, both of these are examples of is being very careful about what people are saying about the housing market right now because with the stats that I shared, 10.3% year-over-year appreciation, less multiple offers and still 3.4 offers, which to me is pretty incredible mm-hmm. because I've been in markets where there's no offers
2: <laughs> and you're just wait
0: and it's the time on market's like 90 days, 120 days. I mean it, so yeah. to me that's that's tremendous for home sellers. and even na- our supply is lower than the national supply. We're about a month, month and a half here in the Philadelphia suburbs. About two plus months in the city. We're less than the three months that 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 we're seeing nationally. Still incredible because, and even markets not not until you get a six month supply. So you would have to double that nationally. Mm-hmm. So I see a lot of positives about the market and the silver lining here. And this is actually from an economist quoted on CNBC. This is on Keeping Current Matters. His name's uh, Joel Kahn. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. Joel Kahn? I guess I don't know. Um, There could be a potential silver lining for the market as stabilizing mortgage rates and rising inventory are bringing buyers back to the market during the second half of the year because so many people got scared off by stuff like this.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm
2: -hmm. Yep. And they realize this is how it's going to be. Like the interest rates are going to be there. Right. We can't control that. Let's control. Let's focus on the things we can control. You know, we can control you going out and looking at homes and putting offers in. Right. You know, let's do it. We can't control what offer the seller is going to choose, but you can throw out your best.
1: Right. If you don't, if you don't try, you it's not going to happen. (laughs)
2: Exactly. We know that. That's
1: a that's a proven
2: fact. If you don't try, you're not going to you're not going (laughs) to succeed. (laughs) Right. Right. So yeah, you got to get out there, and I think that buyers are coming back into the fold because they realize, okay, you know, they went up, and then they dipped back down. Mm -hmm. Let's just get in. Let's just get in the market here. Right.
0: Well said. So we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back. We're going to talk about not surprising real estate news and also very relevant real estate news. This is Tooltime Real Estate Radio on WWDB 860 AM.
3: the Tom Tool
0: Sales Group is the number one RE-MAX team in Pennsylvania with over $165 million in volume for 2021. I'm Tom Tool, and our team has achieved that kind of success by being a great place to work with and to work for. No one knows Greater Philly better than we do. We know real estate, but more importantly, we're real people. We hire the best agents, and we give them all the tools to succeed. Even our brand new agents sell 17 to 24 homes a year because our team delivers the best experience in real estate. Teams deliver a better experience than individuals, and we're a top 1% real estate team in the country. We call it AAA service. We're your advocate, ally, and advisor because this isn't a transaction to us. It's a relationship. If you're buying or selling a home, call the Tom Tool Sales Group at Remax Main Line at 610-692-6976, or visit tomtool.com. That's Tom, tool with an e, dot ecom Sell your home for more and remember the
4: real estate golden rule. You always get more when you work with Tom Tool. Buying a home or already own one, we can help. I am Kevin Hamill from Alliances Insurance Agency. If you haven't reviewed your policies in the last three years, now's the time. New home buyers, there are a number of ways that we can help you get to that settlement table. Call us to find out more at 610 816 0043, extension 3, or visit our website, alliancesinsurance.com. Don't forget the S, it's for savings.
0: Have you considered a career in real estate? Do you want control over your income? Whether you have a license or not, call us today at 610 692 6976, or visit tomtool.com. Join our team, the Tom Tool Sales Group at REMAX Mainline. Welcome, welcome back to Tool Time Real Estate Radio on WWDB eight sixty AM. I'm Tom Tool. She's Sarah Time, and she's Stacy Mitchell. And we've got Gabe behind the camera, and we all work at the Tom Tool Sales Group with Remax Mainline, the number one Remax team in Pennsylvania since twenty eighteen. And this may be the least surprising story, industry wise, that I've seen. However, it's super relevant because. Uh, the, the, you know, this, this run of the market's so hot, we're going to do whatever it takes to compete is ending for a lot of companies. We've seen a lot of companies, both in the mortgage industry and in the, the real estate brokerage industry, they've changed their comp plans, they've cut staff. So the most recent news, this dropped yesterday, is that Compass announced Monday that they're ditching its recruiting perks, specifically signing bonuses and... Stock options for any new folks that sign on with their company. Um, so they're, they're and, and when I say signing bonuses, I'm talking about, I think Randy Moss put it best straight cash, homie, is what he says all the time, <laughs> right? So, they, I mean, they were, you know, this, this was happening at a high level and this was on their earnings call. Um, they're ending these equity incentives and they actually ceased them two months ago and the financial incentives ended last week and they're all going to be on the same commission split. So what do you make of all this? Because this is a drastic left turn from a company that said, we're going to keep going. We're going to keep doing this. This is how we operate. We're the fastest growing brokerage. To me, it's all about having a healthy company, not being the fastest and the highest agent count. What do you two think about all this? And I think this raises some other questions I want to get into.
2: Well, I think it means that they're feeling the shift going on. Um. Honestly, I don't know anything about their structure, (laughs) the way that they're made up. I don't. So I don't know what they were offering as far as stock options or bonuses. Are they, you know, what are these bonuses that they speak of? Is it something that incredible that um, some people would say, oh, no, if they're not giving me, you know, the 30,000 sign on, I'm not going. Um, But it looks like they're expecting to save 320 million. Um, I guess that's annually.
0: Well, that's probably a good thing since they lost one hundred and one million last quarter,
2: okay. So this is what this is what the true <laughs> uh, true story is their losses. But um I know that with Compass, they you know, they came out really strong with um, being the technology company and uh, being up to date on all the um, peripherals, I guess the systems mm-hmm. and lead generation, things like that um they're kind of trendy and cutting edge supposedly um i (laughs) that's the kind of a take i get from compass and uh why how they were trying to attract agents Mm -hmm. um but yeah i think i think that they're feeling feeling um the shift and they're kind of getting nervous so they're going to pull back and what's the first place they pull back they pull back on those perks
0: well, there's also after they've laid off a lot of people, too. I mean, they, they've mm-hmm. cut a lot of staff. They've cut their tech people. So, I mean, th- this to me is – you know, and I'll jump in here. I want to hear what you have to say, Sarah, too, is that what concerns me about companies like this is they they don't keep an eye on the bottom line. And they're like, we're going to grow, and we're just going to outpace our costs. And mm-hmm. to me, that that's just a failed business strategy because – these, there's, there's so many companies like this that never make it into the black. And people and their stock prices, when things were running well even a year ago, now their, their stock price has never done well. But let's look at Zillow, right? Mm-hmm. Zillow just became profitable not that far off ago. And their stock price went up and down, up and down. So it, it's – and this is a Wall Street problem. This isn't – I'm just using Zillow as an example. That they're only – and the the backers behind Compass at uh, – uh what's the, it's, uh, the bank? Uh, what's it called? um the, the saudi bank that backed we work um ah oh, killing me here anyway we work had the same problem and they they went under right so it's uh i just i think this is a dangerous model wow. that people are 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 using which is we're just going to outpace our spend mm-hmm. instead mm-hmm. of have a business at the beginning and then kind of expedite your growth once you have some infusions of cash through profit cash through profits and i think that that's more the the, the traditional model that people kind of forgot about
1: yeah, I mean, I think it It also said, you know, they didn't feel that they were going to have any problems still getting agents to come on board with them. I would assume that they would be, in that case, then getting new agents that aren't switching from a brokerage that they're already in um, to switch over to Compass. Um, and I feel like it's it's one of those where for agents coming up that then join Compass that didn't know any different, like mm-hmm. they never – Either they weren't aware or it was never on the table for them to get these different bonuses or um, stock options. Um, if other companies aren't really offering them either, they would probably still be likely to to join onto that team if it felt like a good fit. Um, versus I think one of the ways that they were able to get a lot of agents that were already experienced um, was – potentially by offering some of these these different options that were enough to get people to, to switch over. So I think that the influx of new agents that they'll see coming on and joining their teams will probably be newer agents.
0: And, and I, I, I do agree with that to a certain extent. They, all they've done is add experience people. They haven't re- – and they, they've gone in. They expanded to 62 markets. Um and in or they were in six. They, they went from sixty-two to seventy-one markets in one year, and then they went from nine to nine new markets in twelve months. And they were trying to like come and just open these offices up, and it, it costs money. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, where they have their offices. I mean, they have an office in Suburban Square in Lower Man. That's probably the most expensive retail rent on the main line. Like, I I just don't I don't see the need to be there. I, I don't think you need an office like that to do business. Personally, mm-hmm. I mean. You guys saw where we used to work, right? I mean, before we moved to our new place, I mean, let's be real. I mean, it wasn't the sexiest office, but we were able to do what we needed to do. So I, I, what concerns me about this is more the agents that went there and they they maybe got sold a bill of goods. And now all of a sudden their stock's down 74% that they signed on for. Anyone that took the cash is the reason going there. I've got questions about their business model more than anything else. If they're like, well, I need this. It wasn't even as much in 30, as thirty grand in some cases. It was, it was lower than that and also much higher, depending on the volume of, that these teams did that came over. So I, this isn't surprising. And, and I guess the, the question I have is, for agents coming on, would you be more, and you, you guys have both done this, would you be more concerned about incentives or would you be more concerned about how you're going to grow your business? Like what, what would you recommend for people that are thinking about making a switch or a new agent getting into the business, what should they be looking for? Because to me, it's all about how do we help people? Because once you move, I think it's you kind of cast your die in a lot of cases, and you're going to – at least you should stick it out. I don't think the people that jump around never do, do that well.
2: Right. I think that uh, for new agents, um, if you have absolutely no background at all, like no experience, especially – there's a lot of new agents that never even purchased a home. Mm-hmm. That is true. So you don't even know the experience from that side. For new agents, if you have no clue, I would highly recommend that you you need to look into uh, a firm that's going to bring a lot of training, mentorship, um, people that are experienced on the team, that are willing to you know be there as a group. I mean, a team is just that; it's a team.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And I said I know when you know some of these broker firms, you can come on as an individual agent. I don't even know how like how you would it's rough you're, yeah i, I just been, been there done that <laughs> rough is not the word i mean like that's that's really um yeah that's something but you know these the teams especially i know from our team i don't know as a from my own personal experience starting out as a new agent even though i do have experience you know, on the buying and selling side of it just personally i i still don't know how you would um make it like how do there's the systems that are in place on our team. There's so much um, advice. There's so much skill building. Um, you know, everybody's a team player. So I think that's so valuable. If you're a new agent just getting involved, it, it, all that experience is thrown behind you. And it can really set you up for a really positive experience in this building, building uh, business building your business as opposed to you getting frustrated you're not getting answers you're out there on the island by yourself and you're just like what the hell am I doing I'm I I don't even and and that's why so many agents get out of this business
0: there is a high failure rate
1: yeah well I mean it makes me think of that little saying of you know if you give somebody a fish they can eat for a day if you teach them how to fish they can eat forever you know it's um you have to think longer term and what is going to help you really build your business and be able to sustain the shifts in market and, um, you know, all all the changes that that happen. Sometimes it feels like day to day, but like certainly you see it in like weeks and months and um, seasonally and you have to you have to know how to work around all of that and um, how to be able to help yourself.
0: So I, I agree with both of you on that, that there's got to be some sort of like training program, some yeah. sort of mentorship, some sort of resources. And what what I get nervous about when I hear this stuff, um, I'm, I'm a big believer in, if you ever read the book, Good to Great, I don't know if you guys ever read that. It's about like companies that have outperformed the market average by like six or seven X. And they're big believers in the flywheel concept, which is everyone going in the same direction. Your con- and it, it, it takes, it's like a slow buildup. It takes momentum to start moving things. And that's the companies that always outperform the competitors. So, Think of Circuit City in the '80s, like that—that that really outperformed the other competitor. That was, I, I don't even remember the name of the company. Um, radio
1: Shack. No, I don't. Know. It wasn't <laughs> but
0: it, was so, it was something like Radio. I, I, always forget the ones they compare it to. But Circuit City was this like force of a company that was out there when it came to electronics. And th- there's others like that where they look at the average industry and and these companies outperformed it by like six to seven x in terms of rate of return and profits and business they were able to do. And they all believed in a slow buildup sticking with the process and just staying consistent and keeping things simple. And then they have another philosophy called the doom loop, which is the comparison companies. And they're, uh, they they try to jump right to results. And like, imagine, and and we've seen this with even people in the industry, they come in and they're like, I just want to go sell homes. I'm not going to do the other stuff. And then they never, they never sell anything. Um, So they jump right to results. They try to spend their way to success. They don't believe in the slow buildup and they're constantly pivoting strategies instead of sticking with one thing that works and keeping it simple and unfortunately, the latter really describes what happened here, where they've constantly shifted strategies. It used to be about you know tech and are techs better than everybody else. I don't, I don't think anyone has any better tech in real estate than anybody else. They're all pretty much the same. you got to stick with the one you're going with, right? I mean, if you learn to work your systems better, they're even more – I mean, I, I know, like, we use the Boomtown CRM. There's stuff in there I'm sure I don't even know how to do that's – and I, I think all of us could probably say that. It's yeah. going to help our business, right? There's more things yeah. we can use to do that. So they're, they're shifting strategies. They're constantly pivoting. And everyone's kind of going in a different direction here. And that, that's the companies that have this, like, looks like it's a meteoric rise. But then they come crashing down. They don't have sustained success for a long-term period. And unfortunately, I, I see more of a doom loop scenario here than a flywheel with Compass because they tried to come on the scene and grow so quickly with the SoftBank money. I remember the bank. And it didn't go well with WeWork. I mean, WeWork, ha- was, that was a disaster what happened with them. And that was another soft bank investment. So, mm. I mean, it's it's unfortunate. And, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if someone buys Compass, meaning mm. another company. I, I think that could really be on the horizon here because their stock price is so low. I mean, 74% in, in a year. I mean, that, that stinks.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah. And and it's also concerning on the investor call, There's it's quoted as Refkin saying, uh, never in my time at Compass have we seen such a big downturn in a short time. That's kind of scary. And he described the future as uncertain. So uh, that is raising, like, a lot right. bells. Like, oh, okay. It's, it, it's like that.
0: So many people are talking about the downturn has been unexpected here. Was this that unexpected for you two?
2: No. What comes up comes down. I mean, <laughs> it can't be peaks all the time. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: I mean, I would argue we kind of almost— predicted this was going to mm-hmm. happen and have been training for it because, mm-hmm. like, I mean, we've, we've seen the signs and, and you kind of have to look for the signs early and pivot your strategy earlier and not just totally go away from it, but hey, what was the stuff that we did that we maybe need to, re, you know, re mm-hmm. recommit to, like buyer consultations or yes. over-qualifying people yes. or mm-hmm. just just talking to more folks, not just running follow with up. the people that follow up, right? I mean, unheard sure. of in real estate. <laughs> uh, so, you know, I, right. I do agree with that. And, and I mean, what kind of confidence is that inspiring the people to work there like a lot of people made this move because they believed in the ceo i mean i'm not seeing that there's this dramatic downturn to mm-hmm. me this market is full of opportunity
2: totally full right. of opportunity yeah when i think f- the one and done it, it could be on the outs you know right and that was the easy pickings right like you have to take that would never out happen
0: for- before like i've been doing this 21 years i think that mm-hmm. happened to me like three times
2: okay so see i yeah.
0: mean it, it was yeah. not often mm-hmm. and when it did happen i'm like Wow. I, this is awesome, but it's <laughs> right. it, it's not a common thing.
1: Right, right.
2: Right, where some new agents that just got into the biz could think, "Oh, this is the way it is." Mm-hmm. It's like, "No."
1: Right, right. Not at all. When well, then was it was it saying that for people that are already um, you know, with Compass, their splits stay the same, but moving mm-hmm. forward they were going to be restructuring. For a
0: year, they're going to stay that that way for a year, is what I believe the article said. Let me okay. let me quote this here. I don't want to misquote anything. So Let's see
1: here. I thought it was like existing um, agents would get to keep what they had. New people joining one, if they had come from a higher split, they could keep that for a year. They would keep that yeah. for a year. So, that that's
0: correct. Yeah. Right.
2: Yeah. After the first year, and then you would go to Compass's standard split.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: Yep. That's that, that's what it said. So it, and and it's in line with u- other luxury brokerages, which I kind of know what that means. I'm not going to get into that just because I yeah. I should know this stuff or I wouldn't be doing my job, but uh, that, that's kind of a separate issue. Um, I mean, it's just, I, I think it's, unfo- it's unfortunate for the people that went there. And uh, to me, it's, we've seen these companies come and go in a lot of cases. And there's always these disruptors in the marketplace. And Compass was definitely a disruptor. Mm-hmm. They're kind of past that now. They're an established company. They're maybe not as sexy as they were when they came on the scene. Cause I think that was something you, I think one of you right. guys had mentioned this, Um and and you know it, it it looks cool to work there they got mm-hmm. nice offices i mean what's cool to me is having the biggest number possible at the bottom of my tax return that's how <laughs> that's how we look at things but um uh, it, it's you know it, it, i think now they're going to have to compete with the people that have been there because they're not the, they're not the new brokerage on the block anymore when you got companies like exp and these cloud based brokerages kind of kind of going that direction as well that that's at least my my take on this is that the, the honeymoon's over
1: mm-hmm. i agree Reality sets in. <laughs> no. <laughs>
0: no. So do you think they're going to rebound from this? Like, I mean, what, 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 do you, what do you foresee happening here? I mean, I'm, I'm pretty clear. I, I have a feeling they're going to get bought.
2: Yeah, I didn't think that, but it, that makes sense. It, that, you know, the they could totally cash out, be bought out, and, you know, they sail off into the sunset.
1: The yeah, I mean, the, the language that was used in the earnings call with investors does not sound... Um, very positive. Yeah. <laughs> so I feel like they're almost setting the stage for um you know something might happen here.
0: <laughs> well, and and when 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 you take other people's money, meaning like a cap, like a, like a venture capitalist or an investor, yes. they don't look to hold on to these companies. Right. They want to sell. They
2: want their money back. Mm-hmm. Well, they want to get their yeah.
0: money back and the return yes. and, and there's usually a period there. So
2: right.
0: I I would not that that's I mean, I'm just looking at what I know. It's I don't think this is any like this isn't any insider info. This is just the basics of what people do when there's like VCs that come in and those sort of things. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Who do you think buys them? Oh, Zillow.
2: <laughs> Zillow? <laughs> no, <I don't> know. <laughs> no, Zillow's going through their own mess. Um, hmm. Good question.
0: I would argue Zillow is probably going to be a buyer, not the not the entity that's purchased. But that's uh, so they they could buy them for sure. Um, I don't I don't know if this would fit their model though.
1: I don't. I don't have a good guess.
0: <laughs> well, let's let's see what happens. I mean, I I I would be surprised if, if that this this isn't even happening right now. And look, mm-hmm. I mean, now they're they're primed for for a purchase because their stock price is so low. That's what, that's what really counts. So, all right, well, why don't we take a break here? Enough uh, talk about companies that are having challenges. I think every everyone's having challenges right now. That's just how you look at them. Mm-hmm. I see opportunity, like we all agreed here. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back. We're going to talk about the fall. Housing Market Outlook. Summer's not over yet. We're still in prime summer in August, but it makes sense to look ahead a little bit. This is Tool Time Real Estate Radio on WWDB, 860 AM. I'm Tom Tool of the Tom Tool Sales Group at REMAX Mainline. If you're thinking of becoming a real estate agent in the greater Philly area, I have a special offer for you. Our team did $165 million of volume in 2021, making us the number one REMAX team in Pennsylvania and a top 1% team nationally. Our agents love us because we offer them a successful career, a great life, and an unbeatable culture. Agents who've been with us for at least a year average 30-plus sales. Even our brand-new agents average 17 to 24 sales a year. We offer proven systems and expert training. We help you set more appointments and sell more houses. Now here's the offer. If you don't have a real estate license yet, we offer real estate scholarships so you can get one for free. Check it out at realestatescholarshipprogram.com or visit the Tom Tool sales group at Remax Mainline at TomTool.com. That's TomTool with an E dot com. Get more out of your real estate career and remember the real estate golden rule. You always get more when you work with Tom Tool.
3: For the best local mortgage service and great rates on your money, look no further than Mortgage America. We've been operating in the greater Philadelphia area for 40 years with a focus on smooth, easy access to home purchasing. Whether you're a first-time buyer, upsizing or downsizing, or just refinancing, we have programs for you. We also have closing cost assistance programs and access to subsidized interest rates. Pre-approval is free. No costs or commitments. To learn more, visit our website at mymortgageamerica.com or give us a call at 610-439-8000. We always have a person available to take your call with around-the-clock human service. Purchase your home with
4: the personalized, local service you find at Mortgage America.
0: Mortgage America is an equal housing lender. NMLS 128501.
4: Buying a home or already own one? We can help. I am Kevin Hamill from Alliances Insurance Agency. If you haven't reviewed your policies in the last three years, now's the time. New home buyers, there are a number of ways that we can help you get to that settlement table. Call us to find out more at 610 816 0043, extension 3, or visit our website, alliancesinsurance.com. Don't forget the S, it's for savings.
0: Have you considered a career in real estate?
4: Do you want control over your income? Whether you
0: have a license or not, call us today at 610-692-6976 or visit tomtool.com. Join our team, the Tom Tool Sales Group at REMAX Mainline. All right, all right, all right. We are back on Tool Time Real Estate Radio on WWDB 860 AM. I'm Tom Tool. She's Stacy Mitchell. She's Sarah Time. And we've got Gabe behind the camera. And we all work at the Tom Tool Sales Group at REMAX Mainline, the number one REMAX team in Pennsylvania since 2018. And we're going to give you the fall market outlook. So I didn't really prepare Sarah and Stacy for this. I've got four predictions for the fall market. And in my view, the fall market goes right up until, like, December-ish. And then you kind of – so we're looking at really the next, like, 90, 110 days, I guess, or 105 days. I don't know if I'm doing my math right, but somewhere around there. Sounds right. <laughs> I'll take it. Thank you. Um, we well, got 90 plus 15, right? So that's that would be 105. So, we, yes, we do uh, give accurate closing cost estimates here, by the way. So um, – <laughs> So I want to give you guys four predictions that I have. I've been really studying the market, and, and it's nothing that I don't think you're going to see surprising, but these are the questions consumers are asking right now. So one of the biggest things I've heard is that there's a housing bubble. The bubble's going to burst. Prediction number one, prices are going to continue to increase through the end of the year.
2: Agreed. Totally agree. All right. Tell
0: us why in maybe 30, 60 seconds, why you agree.
2: Because there's still a lot of competition that's going to continue to drive up the purchase prices on on the homes. I'm still in multiple offer situations, and we still
1: go over asking price for most of the offers.
0: Love it. Sarah, do you have anything to add?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think absolutely everything that Stacey just said there, um, and we know that just People beyond us, people that are much smarter than us, who have, um, you know, really looked into this in detail are giving predictions of 10 percent growth here. So when you give that, when you give the lack of inventory that we still have, we've talked about how, you know, nationally you may have like a three month supply. We're not at that here yet. Um, The fact that buyers are starting to come back to the market more, um, I think when you compile all of those, it. That leads to increases in prices.
0: Well said. Could not agree more. And everyone's predicting this, by the way. This isn't just us. I still believe in the prediction because a lot of consumers don't think this is going to happen. And there's so much noise out there in the marketplace like we talked about earlier in the show. Second one, a little more controversial here. So this is going to be a little more debate about this, I would imagine. Mortgage rates are going to stabilize and settle in in the mid 5% range.
1: I still think it's going to be a little bit higher. Um, I mean, I I don't think it's going to be up to seven, but I think I'm still thinking low sixes.
2: Well, I think with the inflation rate kind of, you know, it took a little dip. Mm-hmm. Not that that's going to hold because I know a lot of people, you know, they kind of changed the, the way that they were um, living, you know, not driving as much and. So, not leaving their house. I don't know how that works because you know we drive all the time, right, Sarah? Right, right. Um, so yeah, not leaving their house. So that could the inflation rate could go up a little bit more, which it could tick up. But I think that um, it is more stabilized. So that being said, um, maybe the Feds won't continue to raise the rates. So maybe the and I believe that the mortgage industry they know that they can't continue to increase mortgage rates. They saw what happened mm-hmm. to their mortgage applications. Um, So I think there's a real concerted effort to keep the housing market solid um, because it is what got us through COVID. It was the housing market. Agreed. That was the economy. Yep. So I I think it's going to stabilize. I think they're going to stay around this and and the buyers are going to come, you know, they are coming back into the fold because of the little dip in in the interest rates. So
1: I think it's going to play into a really great fall market. Right. And I think the realization that like, they're not going to be plummeting again anytime soon, you know?
2: Right. And that happened for a specific reason. Right. The reason why those rates are not coming back. Right. So right. people who think that that's normal, you know, the high twos and the 3% interest, no, that is not normal. Right. Like, We that's might gone. never see that again. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Lowest rates since they've been recorded since the 1940s. And the, uh, so I, I could see it going a little higher, Sarah, to your point, mm-hmm. like creeping up a little bit. I, after that last Fed meeting, what I, I always I like watching the comments afterwards. I like reading the comments afterwards. I don't watch the meetings, but what what I saw was we're fighting inflation. We're trying to get that under control, and we think we might have done it. And you know, this is a weird time of year to even gauge that because you have all these like. There's so many people that are not around right now because schools back in session in a week or two. I know there's a, there's a big lead up to that, especially for like the parents, like myself. So I, I anticipate that we're going to see that maybe things did creep down a little bit. Um, and w- what, because to your point, like these lenders, they cannot go up higher on the rates or people, I, I think it would be bad for the market if they jump mm-hmm. into like the six and a half range or seven range, that's going to scare off a lot of buyers. So mm-hmm. that's what I'm, I'm most concerned about. And I don't get the sense the fed is worried about the long-term dollar. They feel really good about where, where we are long-term. It's this short-term inflation that they're trying to fight mm-hmm. and Unfortunately, part of that is this supply chain issue that keeps ongoing, that like materials aren't here in a lot of places. So everything's a little more expensive with these shipping containers, like sitting off like the, you know, in the Atlantic and Pacific Ocean. So that's a challenge, too. Um, What I also know from, you know, Lawrence Yoon, the chief economist of NAR, he thinks they might have stabilized. And we saw them jump up a little bit, I think prematurely in June. Mm -hmm. And if we continue on this path, they might even decrease the rates at the next meeting. So. That and five and a half is is pretty darn good. It's yeah. really good. You know, and it's. I think that the, the challenge we're going to see here, and this is why realtors should really be listening, is you hear those bozos out there saying, "Marry the house, date the rate." I had a little rant about this. I don't know if you guys saw. <laughs> that was saw. awesome. Thank you. Um, <laughs> that was great. But it, it, I think it's a because you can't you, you can't just guarantee a refinance that it's going right. to be lower than five or five and a half percent. Right. Mm-hmm. I've been doing this long enough. I've seen rates in like the seven percent range, and that mm-hmm. even scared off people a little bit. You were talking about double digits when you bought your first home. Yeah. So that's why I think they're going to stabilize because of all these factors here. So it sounds like we're kind of on the same page, maybe a little bit of a bubble up on your end, Sarah. Yeah. All right. Number three, inventory will come up and cause buyers to come back to the market. I'm not saying there's going to be tons of options. I'm saying they're going to be on the market a little longer. There's going to be opportunities for people to make bids and they're going to have a little more time and it's going to cause people to get excited again about real estate instead of feel beaten down.
1: Yeah, Yeah. I would, I would agree with that. Um, I think that as, But as the inventory does start to creep up a little bit and you see things stabilizing on different areas, more buyers are going to come out. And we're going to be not in any way in the situation that we were, you know, over the last year, two years here. But I think it's still going to be a fast paced market um, because as more stuff comes up, more buyers are going to come out.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: So it kind of balances itself back. Yeah. Yeah. You
2: know, like the whole thing is moving up. At yeah, the same time. Right. Exactly. You have inventory, but you still have buyers coming in, you know. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. So it kind of uh, feeds off itself there. But, yeah, um, I do think that the inventory is going to increase a little bit more. We've been seeing that. Um, and there is so much opportunity on the market right now. Things are on a couple of days longer
1: mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> as opposed to just one weekend. You might find something that's on six days and there's still six not days. an offer wow. in your hand. <laughs> and you're like, oh, let's go see it. You love it? Okay. Offer's going in right now. Mm-hmm. Um So I think I'm excited about the fall market because I I believe all these things. I'm seeing it happen. So, Mm -hmm. um, But I do think buyers are going to be abundant in the fall. I think they're still going to be there, um, and we're still going to have a robust market.
0: Yesterday, for the first time, I saw an investment deal in Philadelphia on a home that I was like, man, maybe we should buy this. And that's the first time I've seen this in a while where like there's positive cash flow, 25 percent down all the normal thing and it's you know I mean it's it, there, there's a lot more that goes into it just due to the numbers work but that's the first time in a while I've said the numbers really work on this and I I think that's a great inv- mm-hmm. indicator of inventory mm-hmm. and it's more of a transitional neighborhood than that you like an end user because I think the end user neighborhoods are always the most competitive that was something and you can't quantify that in a stat except the rate of return you would get on your cash and I was calculating 18 percent so oh, I mean wow. now it's not a. That's good. It, it, it just, it, obviously, there, there's a lot of other factors there, but that wasn't happening. So, that, that to me is a good in indicator of inventory. And this home already had a price reduction made to it. Oh my And gosh. it was on the MLS. So, wow. Wow. something to think about. Last one here, right on time the normalization of contracts. Specifically, inspections are elected the majority of the time. Normal deposit amounts in normal timeframes, meaning. Like within two or three days, not within 10 seconds of executing the contract. <laughs> right. 5% deposits, which were kind of the norm. And I, a lot of people would put down less in, in past instances. I'm, I'm big on the 5%. Um, a normal closing period, not as many lease backs. The things that we saw before 2020 are going to be the norm in the agreements of sale that come through.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I've written some normal... <laughs> Offers. Quote what is unquote. normal, right? What's normal, philosophy here? Normal, like you here? said, inspections. Um, I'm trying to think if it was an ins if we elected inspections, but without throwing tossing a little bone, like mm-hmm. buyers accept the first five grand or something. Um, but still, with those inspections elected, which is right. amazing, mm-hmm. you know. Um, yes, normal, like you know, 45 to 60 day close.
1: Kind yeah, everybody's exciting. not, like,
2: scrambling. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Negotiating uh, the inspections. <laughs> right,
0: yeah. Negotiating the offer price, even. I mean, you know, maybe yeah. maybe homes are selling at 98% instead of 102%. And mm-hmm. and um, I, I like what you said there, Sarah, about the time. These deals going so fast made the transactions not that great for buyers and sellers because you're trying to do it so quick because everyone's trying right. to move fast. I like having a little extra time in there to make it easier for us. I don't know about you, too.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I mean, the with how fast paced the transaction was going. I mean, every, like, this also speaks to like, work with people that you know, especially on like the lending mm-hmm. side that you know, can like get these things done and get the pieces in place. But all of the things that would have to happen by like tomorrow, and that was every day, like, and now this next thing is, due, you know what I mean? Like there's yeah. no, you know, just like, all right, you have you a second to breathe. Like it's, <laughs> it was so like, you're running from the second that you get that offer accepted.
0: So sounds like we're in agreement on all four of these, except maybe the rates time will tell. We're going to keep track of that one here. We're I getting played I'm out. So thanks everyone for tuning in. This is tool time, real estate radio. If you want to follow Sarah, she's on Instagram at tie underscore tie time. That's with a Y you can follow Stacy at the number two Mitchko. You can follow me at Tom tool third at Tom tool three And we're streaming live every single week on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, make sure to subscribe on our YouTube channel. Click the bell for the reminders and the alerts. And we'll be back next week, 3 o'clock on Tuesday on Tooltime Real Estate Radio on WWDB 860 AM.